All right, so last week we talked about the borderline personality disorder favorite person and how we can assume the identity of the person that we become obsessed with. So today I wanted to talk about how we can develop an identity if our ultimate goal is to be in relationship with someone and to seek external validation from that person. So we have... Jay Skeeters, my husband, back on the show today to talk about this idea of development of identity outside of the BPD perspective. So Jay obviously is neurotypical and I have the temperamental disturbance. So as we speak, you'll see that there is a big difference between the way that Jay talks about moral compass and the way that I talk about moral compass. So we're going to have an open dialogue and sort of bounce ideas off of each other so that you guys can see what that looks like. I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you very much for having me back on. So Jay Skeeters is my husband, my best friend, and he is also the co-owner of our business, Thrive Mind Body LLC, an online mindset coaching and counseling company. Jay is a mindset coach, and he is also a certified personal trainer through the NSCA. So today we're going to have an open dialogue, Jay and I, about identity, about borderline personality disorder, core values, and just a host of other stuff that will help you on step four of your recovery journey. So we were kind of talking before we started recording just about, you know, some of the goals that people with borderline personality disorder have. And I was telling Jay that most of the time, our goal is to be accepted, to be loved, that our ultimate goal is to have external validation for people to tell us that we are good enough. And for some of us, it's to score that relationship, to get that person that our favorite person to be with us. So, you know, from a neurotypical perspective, I'm going to ask him what he thinks about, you know, how, how could you form an identity when you're obsessed with, you know, gaining external validation? Well, that's a tough question because how would you, how could you possibly know um, what you could contribute to a relationship if the main goal is validation uh, and acceptance. Um, Our relationship is two partners, uh, each bringing something to the table. Um, So, you know, anybody has to ask themselves, what am I bringing to the table? Uh, And, you know, what if what I bring to the table uh, is not good enough? Um, that leaves it up for the other partner to decide whether or not they are able to create a relationship um, with someone who just needs validation and just needs acceptance. It puts a lot of pressure on the other partner. But if you can find the right partner to do that, um, 
and they can build enough trust with you, um, it's very possible because, you know, you and I have a great relationship. Um, it took work, but any relationship takes work and it takes contribution on both sides. Uh, I think early on in our relationship, uh, I did think that, you know, maybe I was bringing more to the table. Uh, but I just also thought that you just didn't really know how to bring more stuff to the table. And so I had to take a step back and look like, okay, well, she just doesn't know how, um, you know, she's not used to being with a man like me, um, where I like depth. I like, you know, profound conversations. I like connection, uh, you know, obviously I'm a personal trainer, so I like to be physical, so I like to be out and do all of these things. And you were always right there with me. You know, I'm sure there were times in which you hated the stuff we were doing, but you did it. And Right, but here's the, this is the identity part, right? Because you're saying that you brought more to the table. So this is where we can have this open dialogue because if you would have asked me in my PPD self if you brought more to the table than I brought to the table back then, I would have laughed because I, you know, in our minds, in the BPD brain, we bring the most to the table. I was the one giving, giving, giving because when you weren't with me, I was thinking about how I was going to keep you. You know, how I was going to hold on to you. I was thinking about whether or not you would cheat on me. I was thinking about whether or not you know, I was working out, whatever that meant at the time, because I was trying to get myself fit enough to be able to handle the workouts you're talking about. You know, and that's where, you know, for you, you would say to me, oh, I, you know, I don't have depth. But I didn't know what that meant, right? So you taught me how to have depth. Yeah, and... You know, just because you're creating all of these recipes in your head and all of these formulas on, you know, how we could be more connected and how, you know, you could have more validation and how I could see that you are bringing more to the table. Just because you're creating all these recipes in your mind doesn't mean you're actually bringing it out onto the table and putting it down so that we can share it. Um, to me, it's. I needed to be the one that thought outside of the box. Uh, I needed to be the one that uh, would think of the things that I like and the things that I value and share them with you. And it was up to you, ultimately, on whether or not you would share those same values with me or you would like the things that I liked um, to do with me. It was ultimately up to you. So that in itself was your you were starting to be able to contribute because you were doing all those things with me. And then it got to the point where you started gaining confidence in those things and then it was something that we could share together instead of me just kind of pulling you along, you know, like you remember like the hikes and stuff we would do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was rough because I wasn't into fitness, you know, but even at that point, I'll play devil's advocate and think if you had interests and I 
if you, so right because we're we're talking to people who some of them have partners and some of them don't and so we're talking about how you get away from this being obsessed with someone to being obsessed with yourself being having self-image right a good self-image and getting internal validation so that you can just move on from having bpd but for me in the beginning like i definitely like you said all of your interests just became my interest that's not identity development right if if my interests, if I just assume your interests, and I'm doing that because again, that's like part of this ultimate goal I have. My one goal is to score J. Like we're getting married. That's what I want, and that's what we're gonna do. So I'm gonna be fit, and I'm gonna hike up this horrible mountain, and just be out of breath because I want you. You know, and there I think over time, I gained confidence, right? So that was part of it, but that's not really like identity development right that's assuming your identity uh i don't know i think it's also an exposure you know i am an athlete i'm athletic i like to do athletic things i don't think you were really exposed to somebody that was into that sort of thing until you met me and so then you had that exposure now you you know enjoy to work you enjoy working out you enjoy playing basketball enjoy you enjoy all the things that we typically do together as a family you you and I and LJ and you know is that your identity I don't know if it's necessarily your identity but it is something that you value and you do value your health you do value fitness um, you do value growth and mindset and I don't necessarily think that you took on those values just because they were mine. I think that you, I exposed them to you and you saw that like, wow, okay, this is, there's a lot of benefits to this actually. Um, And you decided that, yeah, you know what? I do value health. I do value, you know, strengthening my mindset. I do value, you know, being stable for um, my husband and my son, uh, I do value having a routine and, you know, bringing in an income, you know, I do have these values. I just maybe just didn't necessarily know that I did have them back then. And the more exposure that I've been having with this stuff, the more I'm like, yeah, okay, you know what? I can get on board with that. Oh, absolutely. I think that that is a hundred percent part of it because, It was, if we look at like me just taking on the activities, like just hiking or just fitness or, you know, whatever else that we did at the time, it wasn't the, that wasn't the reason why I continued on wanting to do them with you. It was that there's strength in having integrity when you're working out, right? There's strength in self-discipline, being consistent and doing something the same way over and over again. There's strength in being able to trust you. Just that, you know, you did expose me to moral compass, right? You exposed me to being a good person, to being kind, to not assuming negative intentions. So it was the strength that you... I guess exuded would be a good word. And then I sort of wanted that. I wanted the strength, 
more at some point. There was a switch. Now I wanted strength more than I just wanted this relationship. And so I, my perspective began to shift from, oh, I just need to be with this person. I need to have this to, I really need this strength. There's freedom in self-discipline. There's freedom in having a moral compass. And there's freedom in bringing strength to the table, you know, and not just for myself. Um, I don't bring strength to the table just for myself. I do it for the strength of our family. So to me, I value family a lot. So I'm going to make sure that I'm a good role model, a good leader. Uh, I'm going to make sure that my actions and my daily activities are congruent with my valuing family and, you know, our relationship. So I have to make sure that my actions remain congruent with that. So can you explain a little bit more about that? Like, what do you mean by your actions being congruent with that for listeners? Right. So here's an example. You know, I have to, whenever I say something, I'm very, very choosy with the words that I speak. Excuse me. Uh, I, if I say something, I have to do it. Uh, You know, whether I want to or not, uh, there's going to be action to the words that I speak. So I have to remain consistent with that so that Everyone in our house knows that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Uh, If I am angry even, I'm not going to go overboard and start calling names because I'm not going to reduce you to a ridiculous name that I'm calling you because you're not that, you know. So it makes no sense for me to call you names when you aren't those names. Um. And just remaining uh, consistent and purposeful for with the things that I'm saying, the things that I'm doing, so that our family always stays intact and our family continues to grow because my actions and my words and everything that I'm about is moving along the same line as my value for my family. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's incredible. That's a really great way to put it. So let's stop there and switch gears a little bit and talk about, so that's our perspective, right? So we want to help listeners understand how they can do what we did. And even if someone doesn't have a partner, how can they do that? Are you tired of feeling frustrated, resentful, or disconnected from your family, friends, and partner? Thrive Mind Body LLC Mindset Coaching and Counseling can help you. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. Again, that's thriveonlinecounseling.com. And receive 10% off your first session pack with coupon code THRIVE10. See you then. 
you cannot develop an identity through another person. Uh, it doesn't work that way. You have to you have to formulate your own identity based off of uh, attributes. You can look at other people and say, "I like that sort of an attribute of this person," or "I like you know how this person does this or that." Um, but you cannot assume an identity through another person and be fulfilled because there will be some sort of a difference between them and you ultimately. But what if, but that person's my everything. Like what if that person is everything to me and without that person, I am nothing. Okay. But you're not looking at a mirror. Uh, You're not, you know, that is another human being with their own independent thoughts and feelings and, you know, background, how they were raised, you know, they will still be different from you, uh, even though you may consider them to be yours. Um, so you still cannot develop an identity through them. You have to figure out what it is that you value in life to create your own identity. You know, what do you like? What do you not like? Uh, what are you interested in? I don't know. So if I have BPD, you know. Well, you have to think about it. It's not something where you just, oh, I don't know, and just move on. <laughs> you know, that's this. It takes thought. Right. So that's you. Know, let's play like I'm a client. Let's say. Okay. Or like my old self, whatever. But the answers to your questions, I would say, I have no idea. I don't know. What do I like? I mean, I like my music. I like cooking. But I don't really like those things if my person won't text me back or call me back. I don't really like anything. Because I only like things so that other people can see that I do these things. How am I supposed to figure out what I like and what I don't like when I only do things for other people? How am I supposed to figure out what I like and what I don't like when I only do stuff for other people? Yeah, absolutely. Like what? What's an example? Like, um, if my favorite person wants to go to a place, like a restaurant or a concert or something like that, I don't like loud noises, I don't like a lot of commotion or crowds, but I'll go because I want to be with that person. I will, like, give up everything I am and everything I want for that other person because I want them to like me. I want to be good enough for them. So I just don't know how I would figure out what I like. Like, I don't know. I like being with... So you would always just go with that person? I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Unless, like, I was... Give me a circumstance in which you would not go with that person. If they pissed me off. Like, if they made me angry. If we got into an argument. And that's the only way that you would not go with that person. Well, if I was sick. Yeah. Yeah. That's really all I can I can think of. Yeah, it's like it's it's that black and white. I know. Mm-hmm. So Jay's smiling, you know, but this is BPD. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it were a romantic situation. Especially. Especially if it was a romantic situation, what? I would do anything for the person, go anywhere and do anything for the person, if it was romantic, because I would want them to, like, be with me. I'd go to concerts I didn't like. I would eat food I didn't like. 
I would pretend that I liked to garden when I didn't. I mean, I have people like as clients who and how do far this. would you go along with that? I mean, if it meant that I could have a normal life and a, and a husband or a wife or whatever, yeah, very far, very far. Well, it, as you know, my memory serves me correct. There have been times in which you like, you know what? I really don't like this. I really don't like doing this. I just doing it because because you like it. Right, but if I'm in the throes of BPD, you know, like that's not something I'm going to admit out loud, especially just meeting someone like you know that about me. But mm-hmm. let's stick with the example, right? Okay. Like how do I figure out what I like and what I don't like if all I want is to, you know, be with my person? Uh, I mean, that doesn't, to me, that doesn't sound like, it doesn't sound like anything you would be able to bring to a relationship. You're just a slave. You're just going to do whatever it is that they say you, they want you to do and come, you know, to any place that they want you to come. And whether you like it or not, you're just going to be there. Is that... Yeah. Is that what you're saying? That's 100% accurate. But okay. I've never heard it said that way before. Like, I'm a slave to them. So how are people with BPD who do that, who will, like... Well, ultimately, the only answer to tyranny, which is, you know, the slave master, is rebellion. So, ultimately, you're going to freak out and you're going to get really angry um, because you're going to do something yet again that you don't necessarily want to do but you're only doing it for the other person so you're going to rebel oh absolutely and And then i'm going to say i'm going to say like they never want to do anything i want to do right exactly in which case the other person would say what would you like to do i don't know i have no idea what i want to do because i don't know who i am right which is the problem Mm -hmm. so how do i figure out who i am you got to start writing down what you value in life so write down what I value in life. Absolutely. Do you value money? Do you value success? Do you value happiness? Do you value a nice car? Do you value stability? Do you value health? Do you value uh, consistency, variety? Um, love, growth. Yeah, all of those things. So I would say, <laughs> right, <laughs> all, so of all of them. It's very black and white, every single one. I value love and honesty and consistency. I don't know about like success and money and things like that, but I would definitely say stability, honesty. I think a lot of people, I'm thinking of you know, in the BPD mind, a lot of people would say those things. Love, stability, honesty. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure that there are people out there that, you know... Love, stability, and honesty. On whose end? On both ends. On both Okay, so the BPD uh, person is going to show stability? I mean, that's the, the hope, is that we could... Right? Like, that's the hope. I don't okay. think that, that that plays out as a reality, right? How would they show stability? 
how would you show civility? I mean, I would not freak out if you didn't, if my person didn't call me back, right, when they, I wanted them to call me back. I would be happy for them if they got a job, maybe working with other attractive people and not be jealous. I would celebrate their accomplishments and not just focus on my pain. That would be stability. Okay. I mean, that that to me sounds a little bit more like connection and love than stability. Um, but, okay, that's fine. Um, you know, you also mentioned love. What does love mean to you? What does love mean to your old self? Love. Oh, love was like crawling inside love would be like if I could like and I've said this before to clients is that if I could like unzip your skin and crawl inside of you and just be always with you that's love smothering it's intense it's all the time you're always with me you're always by my side and you do exactly what I want you to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) whenever I want you to do it it's so funny sounding to say it but I know that there are so many people out there that can relate to that Love is being so close to the person that you never have to worry that they're going to leave you. So like a dog, like having a pet. <laughs> I mean, kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that to me sounds like you, you would like a pet. Um, because a pet you can control and you can manipulate in any which way you want to. You can pick them up and put them next to you. You can put them on your lap and hold them and, you know, you can keep them in your house you can you can do whatever you want with them a pet uh the problem with that is a pet doesn't have self-awareness like a human being does um we all have self-awareness and we all have our own individual thoughts feelings uh so that while it may seem like love to you uh is a suffocation on the other end um you know anybody who has to feel as though their partner wants to crawl inside of their skin which i remember you saying that you know i chuckled at that i thought it was cute uh but you and i both know we're two different people and Back then, you may not have appreciated that uh, because you wanted everything to be the same and we do absolutely everything together. Um, You want to crawl inside of my skin, which still just, (laughs) even to this day, kind of makes me chuckle. Um, I'm my own human being. I'm my own person. And there's a reason why you chose me and it's not because we are mirror like meaning i don't look like you act like you do the things that you do um so there's an obvious difference between the two of us um so you wanting to zero in on me and like really be close to me that's fine 
but ultimately I'm, I'm my own human being. And so that can be extremely taxing on a relationship because I, when you did that at the beginning of our relationship, I felt responsible for absolutely everything. I would put all the responsibility on our fights, on, uh, you know, disagreements that we would have, um, the suffocating feeling that I would feel, um, I would put all that responsibility on like, you know, you're just not strong enough. You're not, you're not being a good partner to her. So, you know, what, what else could you do so that she feels more secure in the relationship to where, you know, you can go to work and she's not texting you over and over and over again. Um, and what also can you do to not get angry and fight with her about this because that doesn't necessarily turn out the way that we think it is. Oh, so you took that burden on yourself. Definitely. That's interesting. So meanwhile, I'm over there thinking that you don't care and, you know, you'll never love me the way that I love you. And I'm over here thinking, man, she has no idea how much I care for her, but I have to take care of other things because I am a human being. I am another person and I have responsibilities. And if I just let go of all of my responsibilities just to be with her, eventually she would get tired of that because it's real. You would just get tired of that. If I just quit my job and we just spent every waking moment together, in theory, it sounds like a lot of fun. You know, until rent's not getting paid, bills are getting, you know, left behind. You've got, you know, somebody coming and towing away your vehicle. You know, your whole life is kind of falling apart around you. Then it's not so cool. It's not so fun. Um, So having that, you know, inclination to want to crawl inside of my skin is simply a metaphor for you just want to feel connected with me and that's great because I want to feel connected to you but being connected doesn't mean suffocating the other person and the other person has to keep you back at arm's length in order to breathe Um, it's it's a matter of creating a dynamic and a boundary that lets both people thrive within the relationship. So on your end, to feel connected to me and to feel secure with me. On my end, it's um, having the ability to even connect with you. You know, there there would used to be times in which I would feel like I don't I don't really do anything to connect with you because you're so far attached to me that it's like, well, I would like to do something to show you that I love you and that to show you that I'm connected to you. 
Um, but I'm unable to do that because I'm just so suffocated over here that I can't even express myself. Yeah, you would say I would take up all the space. So then ultimately, step one of identity formation is this recognition of the things we're talking about here, where some, you know, the stories in our heads as people with BPD, they just don't match reality. And oftentimes, our favorite partner, partner, our person, well, they're trying to show us love, unconditional love, but over time, that becomes a very heavy burden for that person to bear. So if you want to form an identity, step one is to recognize that your person is not a dog. Your person is has thoughts, feelings, and perceptions separate from your own, which we've talked about in previous episodes. And then the second thing that you want to do is write things down, right? Write out what you like. Write out what you don't like. In in terms of a relationship, you have to build a relationship. So you have to think about, you know, imagine you had a lot of money and you were able to build build a car, right? You would want to know, okay, what color of car do I want? Do I want two doors or four doors? Do I want a sports car or do I want an SUV? You know, you have to start building these things, um, but you can't be so overwhelmingly emotional about it um, and be so overwhelmingly emotional about every single detail of it or you'll never get the car built. You know, relationship is the same thing. You have to build the relationship. So you have to think about, okay, do I want, do I want this relationship to last forever? Do I want uh, to be married? Do I want... Uh, stability do I want the relationship to be fun and just short term and just wild you know because there's a lot of that too Um, but you have to build the relationship the same way you have to think about everything else you know you have to build your own identity by figuring out well what do I like you know what what does my life what does the life that I want look like you know, and where am I to that? Am I on that path? Am I going in that direction or am I not? Right. You can even draw it out. Like, what is your life? What do you want your life to look like? Even if you, you know, I know that there's a lot of negative thought that happens with BPD. So you think, oh, I'll never get there. Like, put all that aside. So Jay's saying, don't be in your emotional mind. And Figure out what do you want your life to be like in three months, in six months, in five years, in one year, in 10 years. Really take time to write out what you want because if you don't know what you like and what you don't like and what you value and what you want to build for yourself, then you end up just lost, right? Just having no idea what you want. And like he said earlier, you know, if if you don't have anything to bring to the table because you don't know who you are, then you can't maintain a good, stable relationship, which is originally I said that that was our ultimate goal, people with BPD. There's just no way you can do that because you end up bringing not like a lot of emotion and a lot of emptiness into a relationship with someone who wants to connect with you. And that's not a connecting type of love. So now Jay is going to share with us his identity protocols because you can develop an identity outside of a relationship or of your favorite person or favorite host, as I said in the last episode, relationship. It is a hard road. 
But if you think about it, everything that we've talked about so far on this podcast is difficult. Recovery is a hard road. So when you look at identity development, you can't look at it any differently. It's hard, but it's worth it. So Jay, tell us your identity protocols. The identity protocols that I've come up with are just some pretty basic questions that that you should ask yourself. Um, Number one, who are you? And you need to be brutally honest with who you actually are right here, right now. Uh, Number two, who do you want to be? You know, that's another question that it's going to take some thought and, you know, thinking about role models that you've looked up to are there things that you want to be like them um is there anybody in particular that you would kind of like to be uh and what does that look like for you to to be you know your ideal self uh number three what are you passionate about um try to think a little bit deeper than just uh netflix um music uh, and video games. Um, you really need to think about what actually am I passionate about? What, what moves me? Um, and it could be anything. Don't not write something down because you think that it's stupid. Write it down, everything. Uh, number four, what are your goals? Uh, I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, Number five, are your actions congruent with your goals? Meaning, if my goal is to become healthier, am I getting healthier by eating junk food? Um, So you, you have to start to take a look at what it is that you're doing and think about how is what I'm doing related to where I want to go. Uh, another one is, uh, what are you willing to sacrifice to meet those goals or to have the identity that you want? Because no matter what choice you make to be who it is that you want to be, there will be sacrifices to, to make. Uh, you know, if your goal is to be a millionaire, uh, there's not a lot of millionaires that watch TV, sit on Facebook, uh, go out with their friends, uh, hang out, uh, crawl in the skin of their partners. <laughs> uh, there's not too many of those out there because they've chosen a path that they wish to make a million dollars or they make, you know, wish to be a multimillionaire. So the sacrifice is social life. Um, so you have to really think about all of these things and be honest with yourself on do you actually want these things? Do you actually want to be this person? If the answer is yes, then you've got some work to do. You've got some research to do. You've got, um, you know, possibly some coaching uh, that you may need in order to start to get you there. Um, you may need to call in and start asking some questions on this podcast. Uh, there's a lot of different things that 
you need to start doing in order to make sure that your actions are moving toward uh, your ultimate outcome, whether it be your identity or even just achieving a goal. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. So basically make it your mission, make this your mission to find your identity. You know, it's easy to say, I don't know, or, you know, a lot of the um, feedback I got from the moral compass episode was for people who are still stuck that they just didn't know how to answer the questions I asked. Well, you can't just say that you don't know how to answer the questions. You have to put some thought into it, research it, make it your mission to do anything that you can to fill your toolbox so that you have tools that aren't just dysfunctional things that you're doing and so that you can really come with, you know, come up with who you are, the answers to his questions. So um, thank you so much, Jay, for offering up your identity protocols. Thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely. And so we know these work because Jay was instrumental in my recovery as my corrective relationship. So if you guys have any questions at all for me, for him, and you want them answered on this podcast, you know where to find us, rose at thriveonlinecounseling.com or jay at thriveonlinecounseling.com. As always, thanks for listening. Hi, Rose. This is Alan from Texas. My question would be, is it common for people with BPD to have a low-function depression? You know, like when you're bedridden, you don't want to shower, foggy brain, you have no motivation, you know, you might even have to stop working. Is it common or not common for people to have BPD to have, you know, to be in a deep, deep depression? If so, for how long? Um, That would be my question. Thank you very much. Hi, Alan from Texas. Thank you so much for submitting your question. So it is common for people with BPD to have depressive episodes or to experience depression like you're explaining it. There are so many factors and questions in my mind that can contribute to that. So I'm wondering, you know, what happened to cause you to feel depressed? Is it just that you have, you lack purpose and so there's not a whole lot for you to look forward to? Um, Are you alone right now because of the dissolution or the end of a relationship are you, did you, did someone disappoint you or did someone reject you or did you perceive rejection? So all of those things would create this feeling of this deep feeling of emptiness and of loneliness. And of course, um, having BPD, if you're still in the throes of the disorder and you're, you know, just entering into recovery, if you don't know who you are and you also have this, you know, relationship end or someone reject you or you perceive someone to have reject you. I mean, that's depressing, right? Even if it has nothing to do with a relationship and you have BPD, you're going to go through stages of just feeling really down and not wanting to do anything at all. Because if you don't know who you are, you know, what are you supposed to do? And it seems like the task of finding out who you are is a big mountain to climb. And a lot of the times, you know, we have 
that that execu- those ex- executive skills functioning deficits that I mentioned before, which look a lot like ADHD and even could be. So initiating the task of getting up out of bed, of showering, becomes very, very difficult to do that with BPD, with executive skills functioning deficits, without a purpose in life, without a drive. So definitely common. And I would say um, this is... A little bit more difficult I think to hear but it's important for you to know that if you're out there and you're feeling the way Alan's feeling and you're just kind of laying in bed and you do that day in and day out well the body is lazy not you aren't lazy as a person and character any of that but our bodies are mine as well so if I were to lay in bed day in and day out and not shower because I was depressed about something that happened to me a day, a week, two weeks, a month ago, I'm going to be more likely to continue to stay laying in bed the more time that passes because our physical bodies acclimate very quickly. And so they'll acclimate to laying down and it becomes laborious to get up and do something. Um, so, you know, you want, want to ga- engage in a little bit of behavioral elevate, activation, excuse me, Alan. So get out of bed and try to take that shower. If you feel like you can't or you're just too depressed to, just think of depression as a monster. You know, if you feed your depression monster, you, you're feeding it like by not getting out of bed by not showering by not contacting people by isolating by staying in your house you're sort of feeding that depression monster because there are long-term consequences for the decisions that you're making so what you want to think of is my depression is a monster and i'm going to starve it i'm going to get out of bed today no matter how bad it hurts and i'm going to take a shower because i do matter and even if i can't fully believe that i matter i do And so I'm going to get in that shower and I'm going to make sure that my personal hygiene and needs are taken care of. And I'll walk down the block today because I'm going to starve that depression monster. It's very important that you look at the whole picture and not just the emotions that are driving the depression. And that goes for anyone out there struggling. And if you really get to the point where a month, two months, three months have passed and you're still laying in bed, it's a good idea to seek support at that time because, you know, I know I talk about BPD and medications and I say that aggressive polypharmacy is not a good idea, meaning taking multiple medications and antipsychotics and meds that aren't even approved for BPD. Um, I'm not against seeking support when you're in a depressive episode that you just you know, can't get yourself out out of. You can get an antidepressant, you know, you could have, get a, a life coach, a mindset coach, a therapist, you know, but the first thing that you'd want to do before you go that route is you want to pull yourself out of bed. Think of somebody just kind of wiggling your toe and then pulling on your ankle and then pulling on your calf and then on your thigh and then all the way up the body until they just pulled you out of bed and thunk, there you go, go get yourself in the shower. If you want your life to get better and you want the depression to go away, you have to see that there is a space between this, the choice to continue to live in that depression and then the choice that you have to do something differently. The depression itself is not a choice. The depression itself is awful and painful 
And for BPD folks, it's physically and emotionally exhausting to be depressed. But there are brief moments in time where you do have to get up to go to the bathroom, right? So when you get up to go to the bathroom, see that opening and make the choice to get in the shower. All right. I hope that answers your question, Alan. Um, if you need any support or help and you're out there and you're feeling like Alan or you're Alan himself, please reach out to us. You can work with Jay, Jay at ThriveOnlineCounseling.com or myself, Rose at ThriveOnlineCounseling.com. We do mindset coaching so we can work with you wherever you are. We have international and clients here in the U.S. So give us a call. Reach out. You can call us at 1-844-9-THRIVE. That's 1-844-984-7483. We would love to help you guys out. If you have any questions, just do what Ellen did. Send us a message and I will talk with you all next week. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.